turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. We are fortunate to be alive at this moment in history. I can hear you! The truth is plain to see. If you want freedom, take pride in your country. If you want democracy, hold on to your sovereignty. It's time for the Pro-America Report with Ed Martin on The Answer San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great to be together. I mentioned to you all that uh, I am in Texas. I am in Texas, and I have some news on that front we'll talk about in a moment. Again, welcome to the Pro-America Report. Ed Martin here. Please visit ProAmericaReport.com. Find out more. You want to get the most important email of the day every morning, 5 a.m. Pacific time, 8 a.m. East Coast time. It goes in your email. It goes in your inbox from me. It's the Daily Wink, what you need to know. Sign up at ProAmericaReport.com. I don't sell your email list. I don't rent it. I don't use it for anything other than sending you five days a week what you need to know right first thing in the morning. So get up, sign up there. All right. Um, we have some great guests. I want to preview that for you so you'll stick around. Come on these next two segments. An update from Mark Schneider, our old friend at Sub Schneider. He is a submariner originally, now works in nuclear power in his home state of Virginia. And he will give us on nuclear power. We haven't talked to him in a few months. What's it like under Biden? What's happening? He will give us perspective. And then Todd Bensman. Todd Bensman is the uh, Central Security Advisor at the Center for Information Studies. He's got a new book out. Uh, that book is called America's Covert Border War, The Untold Story of a Secret Border uh, Fight to Keep the, oh, sorry, the exact title right. It is uh, America's Covert Border War, The Untold Story of the Nation's Battle to Prevent, prevent Jihadist Infiltration. And so you're going to want to check that out. Listen to the book out. I have it. It's good. And you're going to hear him in a few minutes. All right. What you need to know today. I'm in Texas. I had a series of meetings in Waco. I was up in Dallas last time. Lots of briefings on things that are going on. Uh, lots of exciting news. I have been to Texas a little bit in my life, but not um, too often. Maybe once a year, maybe a little less. And Dallas and Waco and everywhere in between is booming. There's a lot happening in Texas, so uh, good for Texas. And uh, in the next uh, 24 hours, they will completely open up. All the mandatory state rules are gone. There'll still be some local rules on on social distancing and masks and all that. So, but here's what's interesting. Um, the other night, I spent about an hour with Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton. Now, I have known uh, him by reputation and by public uh, you know image. Uh, I've seen his pleadings. He filed a very impressive uh, election case back in the day. Um, you've got um, a bunch of the attorney generals in the state to join. He recently filed a suit against um, President Biden on the border issues, the, the debacle at the border. And yesterday, or excuse me, I guess a couple days ago, he was sued by Twitter. Twitter actually went into court in California and sued him saying he's asking too many questions. Now, what's what does this mean? So this is Ken Paxton, the attorney general of the state. So first, let me set this up for you, how important this is. The attorneys general are really important. And they're really important because America is such a unique and special place. Because we, the people, have the sovereignty for which we have formed this nation. The sovereignty of our nation didn't come from the king. It didn't come from uh, the Constitution. It didn't come from anywhere except God to each of us. And then each of we, the people, shares our sovereignty with our federal government via the states. It's a federalist system. 
We are not all participants in the federal uh, in a federal state in the same way we do it through our states. So what, what that means is our states have a particular role to stand up for we the people. Uh, you know, our my home state of Missouri and, and its attorney general and its governor, too, but the attorney general is a lawyer, gets to stand up and say, hey, wait, as to the people of this state, I'm their lawyer here. And so the Texas attorney general is a big lawyer because there's a lot of people and a lot of business interests and a lot of history and all kinds of things. He's a big, important lawyer. And this guy, Texas AG Ken Paxton, he has taken his job seriously. Wow. He has litigated cases. He had made pronouncements. He's asked questions in the case of big tech. What he did for Twitter was he said he sent them some uh, specific Texas attorney general documents. And he's he's in inquiries basically to say, what are you guys up to? You seem to be stifling speech. You seem to be using your platform to eliminate some people's speech. I'm going to ask you some questions. They're called civil investigative demands. And he sent them these basic questions and said, hey, can you help me understand this? I'm not suing you yet, but I'm going to come over here and I'm going to say, what are you guys doing? What are you doing when you take away uh, Donald Trump's uh, Twitter feed? What are you doing when you pick winners and losers in terms of speech? How is that fair? And the argument, of course, which he says clearly, is that Twitter has such a powerful position. It is, in fact, able to stifle free speech because you can't go anywhere else. And, uh, and if you've noticed how quickly Twitter and others helped eliminate Parler, which was becoming an alternative by uh, limiting its use on, uh, in some of the cloud services and all. But here's the inter- fascinating thing about this is Twitter sued him first because I think, and he didn't tell me this, he did not say much about it except he just smiled and said, we have to fight, you know, and we have to fight back. Twitter sued him, I think, because they figure they're going to get sued and their lawyers wanted to get in court first. So if there is a suit now, they can try to be in California. It's probably better for them than being in Texas. But here's the thing. He is putting the interests of we the people, if you're Texan, first. So he was relaying to me, and I was asking him about this, about how other states, do they join? And he said, well, sometimes in the, in the case of the election challenges, like 21 states immediately joined. He did say Democrat attorneys general always join each other. If one has a lawsuit, they all jump in. But here's one he said. He said not a single state attorney general, Republicans, obviously, Democrats would never join, have joined him in his lawsuit against the Biden administration over the immigration crisis at the border. And he th- you know, he said, I think that every attorney general probably has an increase in crime, probably at least at least the um, at least the prospect of illegal aliens coming into your, your nation, into your state from crossing the border, whether it's, uh, you know, whether it's a close state, you know, from Oklahoma or you know, Oklahoma's closer or Arkansas or it's a northern state because people travel so far. So he said it would be obvious for them to join. They just don't do it. And here is what I want to say. And I was in the headline of what, what I just said. Ken Paxton talking to him. He doesn't mind fighting. He does not mind kind of a competitive guy. He was telling stories of play, about playing sports with one of his buddies who was with him when I met him and, and their kids and all. And, you know, beach, uh, beach, uh, they were playing beach football. Uh, and so he's a competitive guy. You know, he's someone who knows uh, how politics works and who knows uh, what the reality of, uh, of things is. But he really is very, very impressive and very um, uh, willing to know what time it is. He said he got a lot of grief when he filed the um, election cases. You know, they've come after him. They've tried to cancel him. They've tried to be nasty to him. They've tried to hit him. Uh, but he just said, this is the time we have to fight. And he said that the, the president, uh, he talked to President Trump a few weeks ago. I think it was a few weeks ago. And he was encouraging him. I guess my point is within 
the especially within the Constitution and the rule of law, there's no more important position in a way than attorney general because a senator can only advocate and vote. Same thing with a congressman. A governor can maybe do it, too. But the attorney general is sort of uniquely equipped because he or she can go into court and sue back. And so here's the other thing. Maybe more than ever. The Texas attorney general race, a Texas attorney general position just got more important because that man, in this case, and in other states, it would be a man or woman. They're the ones that have to stand up to Biden. They're the ones that have to stand up now to what we're seeing in terms of the the Biden administration dramatically changing, transforming America. They said they would do it. So, you know, you, you talk about what's valuable and what's not and, 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 and what positions are big. And obviously, you know, Secretary of State, in a lot of states, they have a Secretary of State. That's the election guy, that guy or gal. That's important, important now than more than ever. And, um, and also the Attorney General, uh, Paxton, in this case, we were talking, he said, there's a lot to worry about for elections. There's a lot to worry about. And there's a lot of ways that um, we need to rethink what we're doing, you know, and rethink the approach. And I guess my point is we need more and more attorneys general who are going to get out there and really fight for us. Be creative, be fearless, be willing to be attacked like Ken Paxton was and is and get things done. And so I would be watching that guy on the national stage uh, in the coming months and years, standing up to Biden, uh, focusing on uh, the border, uh, making a fight over the election integrity and, and voter confidence. All these things are, are places where I think Ken Paxton is uniquely positioned. And <laughs> I was I was kind of teasing him. I said, man, there's nothing better for a conservative than being sued by Twitter. A Texas conservative getting sued by Twitter. I said, this is like a, probably going to be in, 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 rules over, in, in Texas. They can't fundraise during the legislative session, so he's not doing any fundraising. He's not doing, he can't do any of the old political um, candidate stuff. So I, 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 try, I was going to say he could raise money off of it because they're, Twitter's suing him, but they can't do that right now because of the rules here. But nothing could be a better badge of honor than being sued by Twitter. And we'll see. We'll see. All right, that's all I got. That's Ken Paxton. Check him out. He's a coming star, rising star. Really good guy, too. Nice to talk to. Um, we'll come back. And when we do, we will talk with uh, first with um, our old friend Mark Schneider about nuclear power. And then we'll talk with Todd Benzman. Be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, we needed to check in with our old friend, Mark Schneider. Mark Schneider is over on Twitter, at SubSchneider is his Twitter handle because he was Submariner. He's a also over on LinkedIn. You'll see him post up. He is a, uh, I like he created the hashtag Green Nuclear Deal, excuse me, gr- hashtag Green Nuclear Deal many years ago, talking about nuclear power, the difference it can make, and he really is someone who brought a ton of attention to this. So, first of all, welcome back, Mark. It's been too long. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Ed. All right. So tell me the state of play. You know, I know that uh, under Donald Trump, to summarize, uh, and especially under Governor uh, Governor Rick Perry, who became energy secretary, there was a move to get uh, nuclear energy going and uh, the so-called generation four, generation three, which was safer and and, uh, more convenient and would work better. A lot of movement there. First of all, at the end of the Trump administration, would you say it lived up to everything you hoped for? Was it uh, was there lots more talk and less action? What's your feeling? at the end of it now looking back uh, six weeks after it's ended um i wish he would have done more but i think we can all wish that in anything so i don't think he, he was he was a, you know, did a poor job but one of the things he did like three days before he left office was he signed an executive order to focus on small modular reactors for the purposes of national defense now these would be reactors for you know everyday power use 
but it's important and vital to national defense. And that's carried over into the Biden administration. And it looks like there's no stopping this at this point. Hmm. So that's what I was going to ask you next. The Biden administration's come in. They talked a lot about the Green New Deal, the idea of going green and all this stuff. There are some people in the party, in the Democrat Party, that want all that, a lot of that crazy stuff. But I've, I've, I think I've noticed that the nuclear stuff is still proceeding, and uh, there's not quite as much craziness. What's your sense of the first, uh, again, first month or two of the Biden administration? So my sense is, is that, you know, Biden is, you know, more of a puppet than anything when it comes to everything. And I'm noticing all the media is propping up nuclear energy around Biden, something I don't think Trump would have been able to do. But I think that the media is trying to control the narrative of Biden. And they've gone almost very pro-nuclear in the last, you know, month, month and a half, two months or so, just because of the new administration. And if they want to change something, I think they're realizing that uh, the renewables aren't the right answer. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but but will the, um, I mean, we, I know that that may be what people think. Will they still, I mean, are they still going to push some of these regulations? I guess some of the, I know, you know, we're, again, we're talking with Mark Schneider and at SubSchneider on Twitter and over on LinkedIn, and he's really more, I'd say, Mark, you're an advocate of using nuclear energy. You're not necessarily uh, fighting about whether uh, the, uh, you know, carbon uh, fuel, you know, the carbon-based fuels are good or bad. You're saying, hey, nuclear is better. But changing, you know, changing all the rules to try to cut back on the, uh, on all the, you know, oil and gas and all these different things, certainly going to change. Regulations can change it. I guess your point might be, maybe I can state it for you and you can disagree if you want, is that as long as they're doing nuclear and going fast and hard for nuclear, that's going to make up for any of the other drag in the long run. Is that about right? Um, yeah, that's true. And one of the things is, is that, uh, you know, when you start adding regulations to these other power generation, it just really puts them more on an even playing field with nuclear that's already overregulated. So, you know, I mean, now the, the problem is, is it's going to, you know, cost the taxpayers more money. And I mean, the utilities were already saying if Biden got elected, the power bill is going to go up anyways. So don't be surprised if that happens. So, yeah, unfortunately, mm-hmm. that's, that's where we're at. <laughs> What what's the rest of the world doing? What's the rest of the world doing? You know, and we we when we we talked uh, a while ago, you know, in terms of who's moving fast, uh, China's moving fast. Uh, some of the European nations, maybe Russia. What what's the rest of the world doing on nuclear? Who's a, who's ahead of us? How does that matter? Uh, what what give me give me some perspective there. So um, I would say the big things they got going is China's looking to put seventy gigawatts of new nuclear. That's you know the U.S. fleet's about a hundred by 2025 mm-hmm. so they want to get to 70 by by then so they're looking at they're rapidly expanding russia's building um all over they're getting ready to, to break ground in egypt egypt will be a new nuclear country with four uh russian built uh reactors uh, generation three types uh i think somalia is looking at building now there is a, a u.s outlier that uh is really exciting and that's new scale energy and i think they've got uh, negotiations with Poland, with uh, Finland, South Africa, and like a half dozen other nations to build their small modular reactor. This is one of Trump administration's, uh, you know, signature moves in nuclear energy is that they approved and licensed this unit in the U.S. to be built. We're going to start building them out in Idaho in the next couple of years. So there is some big push from the U.S. to start international building as well. Again, a Trump accomplishment. 
and uh, and so what's your what's your uh, feeling? Well, I mean, what are you are you optimistic that uh, the direction everything's going? Are you are you saying there's uh, storm clouds on the horizon? I mean, what do you what do you, I mean? In the past, you've been you know you've been the, not only the cheerleader but the guy seeing real progress uh, every, almost every day. Are you feeling the same way? Is the is the pandemic uh, dragging everything? Are we you know are we gonna is there economic headwinds? What do you feel? Um, you know, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic right now. Uh, I'm really excited for May uh, because in May, Vogel Unit 3 goes online, which was started in the Obama administration. Licensing began in the Bush administration. Tells you how long it takes to get nuclear going in the U.S. But when you throw on that large of an impact in, in green energy, uh, to use the less term here, um, it really mm-hmm. does reframe everyone and that we can build nuclear again in this nation uh, for commercial purposes. So I think that's, that's a big linchpin for the entire energy sector is this large, these two large reactors down in Georgia. One goes online this year, one goes online next year. And who owns those? Uh, that'd be the uh, Southern Energy or Southern Nuclear. So they're uh, owned by the utility company down there. They're building them. I see. They're really and other places in America. There are you said. Tell me where they're building the modular ones. Anywhere. So um, when those get licensed, the construction site will be um, in Idaho, and it will support basically Idaho, Utah, and some areas of Wyoming. And and the timeline on that, when they get the permits, it takes ten years. Um, so because of their they're that modular design, when they get the permits, it'll probably yeah. take four or five years before the first unit wow. goes online. And because they're small and they're going to be factory built. You know, you get one online, and then you know, a few months later, you get the second one, and the third one. You know, they're gonna they're all wow. going to be a twelve unit facility. So, is the um, is a lot of us have watched Elon Musk uh, firing rockets into the into the into the sky like um, you know when we were kids we we messed around with bottle rockets. Elon's just throwing them up there, figuring it out. Um, I, I often hear people characterize space uh, as the place where nuclear power is going to be the most valuable uh, or necessary. I guess is a better way to say it. Is that is that uh, is that part of the horizon we're seeing? Um, that is, in fact, actually the Perseverance rover. It's roving around Mars right mm-hmm. now is nuclear power. Is that right? Yeah. So so right now we've Boy. got nuclear energy is, is powering that little helicopter because it recharges off the Perseverance uh-huh. rover, and that rover is running around with a nuclear power cell on it. What's a nuclear power cell look like, and why can't we do them down here then? Um, I mean, so, there, so a lot of it, it comes down to cost. And they're getting into the realm of weapons-grade oh. type materials, so that's the problem. Oh. Is that, you know you got to have tight government controls. But um, one I of see. the things that's fascinating that's coming up is you've got the the kilopower reactor, which wouldn't necessarily fall under that. And it's you know you're seeing companies start to use that type of technology, which is a space reactor that you could deploy deploy on planet Earth in a larger scale. And uh, Oklo has a design that is in licensing right now that they submitted. Literally, the pandemic shut everything down. The next day, they submitted their license, and they're working on getting that license to build in the United States right now. Hmm. Wow. So, I mean, that sounds pretty, all that sounds pretty optimistic. It seems like even the politicians at this point can't get in the way of it because of the necessity. I, I, I mean, so, and, and again, back to, uh, back to Europe. Will, will Europe solve their problems through nuclear? I think France wanted to, Macron wanted to do more, uh, but will, is Europe going to find this, find themselves tied up in knots? 
Um, well, I think a lot of the nuclear nations, specifically more in the, you know, the, the Baltics area, Scandinavia, those that have a lot of ties to Russia are going all in on nuclear. And then you've got companies like uh, countries like Germany that are just falling flat on their faces. And they're basically going to pay their citizens uh, as much money to build a nuclear reactor, to shut down a nuclear reactor, because it's going to cost the utility, you know, the rise in electricity costs. Uh, you know, Germany has very little nuclear, and they pay double the price of France, which is 70% nuclear, for electricity costs. Hmm. Wow. Okay, very cool. Well, listen, at, at Subschneider on Twitter, he's also on LinkedIn, Mark Schneider. Thanks, Mark, and come back again. Keep us up to date. I'm, uh, I'm on the bet. The, the most interesting news that I didn't know was that the Mars, uh, the rover up there in the helicopter are nuclear power. They ought to publicize that better because that's, uh, that's great stuff. All right, thank you, Mark. Good to talk to you. All right, thanks, Ed. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, don't forget, you can go to ProAmericaReport.com. You can, if you do a search there, you'll find Mark Schneider. Probably been on the show 10 times. Lots of great interviews uh, back last year and other times. We'll, uh, we'll have him back on again. It's really helpful. we got to keep that nuclear uh, energy movement going forward. We'll take a break right now. I'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the ProAmerica Report. Back in a moment. This is the ProAmerica Report on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Our next guest is our old friend, uh, Todd Benzman. Todd Benzman is, uh, of course, over at the Center for Immigration, uh, excuse me, Center for Immigration Studies. Jeez, that's my first time on the radio. He's the Senior National Security Fellow there, writes uh, prolifically, and uh, his most recent piece, which I want to touch on, then i got to come move forward because the news of the, the uh, Biden administration has sort of revealed their big bill, but he put, a few days ago, day ago, well, may, earlier today, uh, posted Posted a piece: Aspiring immigrants foregoing caravan tactic are massing in the northern in northern Mexico on Biden promises. So, first of all, welcome, Todd. Thanks for taking the time to sp- spend with us and tell us what your piece is saying, what you're seeing there on the ground in uh, on the border. Sure, I appreciate it. I looked through uh, all this week Mexican media because there are not too many American reporters going over to the Mexican side to see what's going on, and what I found was that. These towns and cities all along the border from California to uh, the south of Texas are filling up with Central American migrants and Cubans and Haitians from all parts of the world. They're coming in uh, from Panama, and they're making their way in smaller groups through Mexican roadblocks and around National Guard formations and barricades and that sort of thing, using smugglers in significant enough numbers that they're overwhelming the shelter systems in these cities and towns are coming up, massing in these towns, getting ready to cross over, and in a lot of cases actually crossing over in large groups and swamping border patrol on the other side and just kind of coursing right on into the interior of the country. Uh, That's sort of what's happening. Uh, They're not... uh, coming in in a, in a controlled way, like uh, has been uh, propagated out there that, you know, we're going to meter them in slowly in smaller groups. They're just, uh, as one Border Patrol agent told me, uh, bum-rushing us, and about 75% of them just get right past them and on into the country. Hmm. 
Um, we're talking with uh, Todd Benzman, and by the way, Todd, I meant to plug it at the beginning because I've got it on back order. I ordered a copy. Uh, Todd Benzman's got a new book that comes out, I think, in about three weeks. No, a week. Is it a week from now? Because I yeah, bought a, I, I bought a, a copy. A yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, there's there's a little bit of a delay in um, uh, mailing them or getting them out, distributing them because of COVID supply uh-huh. chain issues or something like that with all books right okay. now. But you'll get it. You'll well, get it's, it. t- it's yeah, it's Todd Benzman's book. It's called America's Covert Border War, the untold story of the nation's battle to prevent jihadist infiltration out on February 23rd. I just found it four days from now, technically. So uh, and we're talking with Todd Benzman. All right. So so um, what what's the uh, um, word travels fast in the modern era, in the modern world. And so what is the what is your read then your analysis of what sort of the world is saying about the Biden administration's policies right now. I mean, you're saying they're using a different tactic. They don't need a caravan. They just need to get there and get ready. And now we have the Biden bill, uh, their, their dream bill dropped that looks like includes things like if you were deported under Trump, you can come back in and you'll get an, a pathway to citizenship. I mean, the message must be to the world. The doors are wide open, huh? Yeah, and you know, Mexican media is fairly honest about that. They interview the migrants, they interview the shelter directors and government officials in Mexico, and nobody disagrees down there that there is only one motivating primary motivating factor and that is Biden's agenda to open the border and give them freebies and let everybody in and never nobody ever has to deport. And they'll have uh, very probable uh, green cards and a path to citizenship. And this is, there is just like no more powerful incentive that could possibly drive mass migration to the border. Uh, Biden administration has realized this, and they've gone to the Mexicans uh, furtively, quietly, secretly, and cut a deal with them to have them stop the caravans by force if necessary, just like Trump. Uh, they're not advertising this, but there has been really good reporting by Reuters, which I point out in a column on my um, CIS.org site, uh, that you know the Mexicans and the Guatemalans are prepared to shut down those caravans, any new caravans. And so the migrants have just shifted tactics. They're still getting here. They're still coming over in very large numbers, and they'll continue to do so. The numbers are just getting bigger and bigger and bigger all the time. It um, And so uh, what about the bill? I mean, have you had a chance to the Biden bill or the Dream bill or whatever? Yeah. Uh, and, 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 and by the way, as soon as it was dropped, everybody... I don't know everybody, but the Biden administration saying, well, we know we're not going to get it, I guess. I don't really know. I guess is this meant to be a, 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 a sop to the left that they tried or uh, what, what's your give us a give us your rundown on it, please. Todd Benzman, okay, we're yeah, Todd I, Benzman I, of course. Good. Yeah, I think that it is a, a largely a sop. But what they will do is break out pieces of it and push those through. And those are important pieces. One of the pieces, for example, that will have priority, will be to provide a fast-track citizenship three years to DACA and a lot of TPS, uh, temporary protective status uh, folks, and farm workers, illegals, uh, probably to the tune of about 4 million. Now, the reason that that's significant is that 
we always talk about, oh, well, the reason Democrats like to have uh, mass migration is because they're importing Democratic voters. Well, these three or four million would be uh, eligible to vote in time for Kamala Harris to run for president on the next election. And that four mm-hmm. million could be just enough to drag her over the line. That is going to be a top priority. They probably will be able to push that one through. And there are other really disturbing aspects of the bill, if I had a minute to talk about those. Uh, one is one is that the bill uh, provides for repatri- reverse repatriation, you know, bringing uh-huh. back the parents of uh, younger of, of relatives in the United States that, that managed to stay in, uh, but they were separated from their relatives because the relatives got deported. Well, we're going to turn around and we're going to bring them back into the country. We're gonna, we'll fly them in on ice air. Another wow. disturbing part of this is that we are proposing in this bill to provide legal counsel for all illegal immigrants who have cases pending before the uh, immigration courts or uh, at least give the attorney general the authority to order legal counsel to be provided for illegal immigrants at taxpayer expense. That would be, you know, untold billions of dollars. I mean, obviously, I mean, lawyers will jack the prices up. And even if they don't, uh, you know, it's going to be a really hefty bill. Uh, and then, of course, there's very, very little enforcement. Uh, there's a provision in there to call a commission together of, you know, migrant advocates and uh, that sort of, um, you know, Democrats and that sort of thing to, to make recommendations about what to do on workplace enforcement, right? And there can only be one direction for that. It's going to be, you know, no workplace enforcement. You know, we want employment for these folks. Uh, and then lastly, the bill proposes to, not lastly, but just for our time constraints here, the bill proposes to uh, funnel untold millions of dollars into in grant money to migrant advocacy groups, enriching them and uh, providing more incentive to, for them to become a, a powerful interest group, uh, pushing open borders. Uh, for their own for their own interests, right? Because they make money per head on migrants, and uh, that's just for starters. I mean, there's very little enforcement, no enforcement, really, uh, provision in this thing. It's about as radical a thing as I've ever seen uh, in mm. the country, really. You know, you know, I hate to be a Simon editor, Todd, but we're talking with Todd Benzman, the senior national security fellow. I'm sure other folks at the Center for Immigration Studies will also do this. But I, I think you got to writing on that and breaking this thing out is important. I, I had not followed some of that already, that analysis you just said. By the way, Todd's book is America's Covert Border, Border War, the untold story of the nation's battle to prevent jihadist infiltration out on February 23rd. I order I pre-ordered a copy. It's uh, whenever they start firing the books out, I'll get one in the mail. So uh, it is available everywhere you see books and it's a bombardier books is the publisher track it down todd i gotta run thank you as always for being down there on the border in texas and keep an eye on this i hope your voice keeps getting louder and louder it's uh it's uh, so important what's happening so thank you for your time thank you sir appreciate it
All right, we'll take a break, and we'll be right back. Don't forget, any of these interviews, and you go over there, ProAmericaReport.com, you'll see I've interviewed Todd a few times. Always, always educational. Go check them out. We'll take a break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the ProAmerica Report, back in a moment. This is the ProAmerica Report on The Answer, San Diego. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. Conservative activists need to learn that sometimes victories can take time. We can't expect to achieve big wins overnight. One particular fight in Texas is a great example of this. After a five-year uphill battle, Texas finally won in federal court to be able to stop all Medicaid payments to the abortion giant Planned Parenthood. It seems like decades ago that undercover videographer David Daleiden released shocking footage from inside Planned Parenthood facilities, which exposed their exchange of fetal body parts for cold, hard cash. Distant though it may seem, all that happened just a few years back in 2015. I can remember at the time hearing my mentor, Phyllis Schlafly, say that those videos were the greatest tool in the fight against abortion since the invention of the ultrasound machine. As a result of those videos, Texas officials launched an investigation into Planned Parenthood's practices within Texas. The findings of the investigation proved that the abortion chain was in violation of state policies determining eligibility for state Medicaid funds. Predictably, Planned Parenthood took the state to court in hopes that an activist judge or two would be enough to get their taxpayer dollars back. Thankfully, the Federal Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit ruled in favor of Texas. The nation's largest abortion mill is set to lose millions of dollars in annual revenue because of this protracted battle. While there's plenty of congratulations to go around to David Daleiden for releasing the videos and the Texas Office of the Inspector General for pursuing the investigation, the real praise should go to the many pro-life Texans who have not let the pressure off. Even after five long years, Texas patriots never gave up hope. Their tenacity is an example for all of us. The solution to America's problems can't be cooked up in a microwave. Oftentimes, real solutions come from slow cookers. The abortion industry is a billion-dollar money-making scheme. Don't think for a moment that they will be brought down without a fight. We can't let them wait us out. We must raise our voices louder and longer than they could ever imagine. Conservatives must persevere to win the ultimate victory. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Despite the outrageous pro-abortion stance of many liberals, the vast majority of American people value human life. More than ever, pro-life voices need to stay vigilant and be heard. At phyllisschlafly.com, we're not backing down. Please, join us in the battle for life at phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, let us um, let me talk for another moment about um, uh, a um, topic we've talked about. That is self-censorship. 
because I did an inter- I did an interview. I was on the um, on the radio show. Excuse me, the TV show with. Um, I'm on every week now. I'm a, I'm a, a designated guest panelist on Armstrong Williams' TV show that's on Sinclair Broadcasting. Uh, airs on some of the channels there, and we had a panel discussion uh, yesterday. And um, the the man that I was on with said the cancel culture it's just not real. People don't really get canceled. They actually do fine. And I said, what are you talking about? And I went through the number. I mean, went to, pick one: Mike Flynn, Sidney Powell. Uh, pick all kinds of you know uh, people have been suspended. Donald Trump. Uh, you know, many many people are are canceled, and and it's a common thing. But more importantly, I said to him. Why don't you talk about Barry, Barry Weiss or Barry? I guess it is B-A-R-I Weiss, a woman who wrote a piece in the desert, a Deseret News. I don't know what the Deseret News is, but she was a writer at the um, New York, uh, New York Times. And she quit because she said it was too much. The, the political culture there was too much. And she goes on to basically say, if you're a left winger, you, you don't want to tell your fellow left wingers. You don't want to be honest with them. You don't want to express anything because you don't want to be outed. And there's a pressure to self-censor. You certainly can't have conservative views at all, but you can't express them. You certainly can't express sympathy for uh, Donald Trump or anybody else. So Barry Weiss, forget me, lengthy piece on this. And my point here is, and the title of her piece is The Self-Silencing Majority. And she says, in red and blue America, an epidemic of self-censorship is threatening democracy. I believe it. I believe it. I believe that self-censorship is the biggest problem. And But here's the, here's the thing that I think Barry Weiss doesn't um, quite get. The mainstream media, fake news, big, you know, big media, and big tech, they're making it so you, you have learned that it's just better. Most normal people, it's just better not to say anything controversial because you just don't want the attention. Because the attention is too intense. It's too difficult. It's too likely to get out of control. You know, if it was 25 years ago, you might say something, I don't know, off color, rude, controversial in a conversation at a restaurant at, over lunch. People, you know, eight, 10 people go to lunch and it would be like, wow, that was a really interesting conversation. People had thoughtful things to say. So that, that person is a little loony. That person is a little too conservative, whatever. But now everything that happens on Twitter and Facebook and Barry Weiss says, even when you're talking face to face, you hold back because the cost of saying something controversial or something out of the ordinary of something irregular, the cost of that has gone up. It's just not worth the trouble. And Barry Weiss goes on to say, you know, how do you have a nation that has um, a, a spirited Republican, a rep- a Dem- Democratic Republic where people are taking on issues and they're thinking about them. And this is my point from yesterday's wink. Over the weekend, we had uh, uh, Harry and uh, Meghan, uh, the, the, the prince and the princess of whatever. We had Dr. Seuss. We had, um, uh, you know, all these dramatic, silly, if I can say, silly things. And over the same period of time, the United States Senate passed and the House, I think, will already did or will one point nine trillion dollars of spending that transforms how we live. So we don't have a serious conversation in this country because people don't want to be made uncomfortable. They don't want to be targeted. They don't want to be dealt with harshly. It's just not worth the trouble. 
So I, I'm going to put this link up on social media. Look, uh, look, uh, look this up. Bari Weiss, very interesting. I don't agree with her politics at all, but it's an interesting article, and she wrote it well, um, and uh, she gives examples of people that are canceled and how crazy it is. Uh, it's worth checking out. All right, we got to run. Thank you for to Todd for filling in for the great Noah, our technical director. So thank you, Todd, for filling in. I think he's. I think uh, Noah's back tomorrow, so look forward to that. Thank you to Joanna for booking our guests. Don't forget, visit ProAmericaReport.com and uh, sign up there for our daily email, The Daily Wink, and follow all our great interviews. We'll talk to you tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Talk to you tomorrow.